Why is it that so many of our kids seem to be accepting distorted and illogical ideas, attitudes, and values that are completely opposite to the things we've taught them? And it seems to everything that traditionally has been considered good, wise, and profitable for human well-being and fulfillment. Well, today's kids are easily bored. Some would observe have become more and more superficial, more shameless, and self-absorbed. Now, we've talked before about the role digital technology may play in all of this, but it seems that today's kids are now born with digital DNA. Whether a metaphor or reality, it may explain not only our kids' extreme aversion to boredom, but also their disinterest in pursuing and worshiping God, something mentally brutal for many kids today. Dealing with the dullness seen in today's Glow Kids, that's next on Licensed to Parent. Well, welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosel, and uh, Trace, it's been almost 20 years now that you've been leading this ministry, and during that time you've been slandered, misunderstood, misrepresented, <laughs> even even mocked and ridiculed for yeah. your position on digital technology yeah. and establishing a wise digital protocol for kids and families. But I've noticed over the past few years, more and more scientific study is being done, and many in the public eye are now echoing your findings, right. which maybe suggests you and Shepherd Hill were actually on the right side of the fence about this all along. Mm, yeah. How would you say the students at Shepherd Hill Academy are actually responding to it all, though, since they've had to live in an unplugged environment for, for a full year without this technology? Yeah, you, you know, Rich, it's amazing just how much these kids really do understand this subject when once they've been removed from the matrix that we call America's culture long enough for their critical, constructive, and creative thinking capacities to actually return to them. And that's the beauty of the plasticity of their young brain. So these kids actually become, I'll call it woke, to the fact that they've truly been recovering from the trauma and drama of a life of eye slavery. Uh, they're finally seeing objective reality from that 35,000-foot uh, perspective. But, you know, because while they were heavily engaged in this digital forest of negative cultural influence, uh, they couldn't see the forest for all the digital and cultural trees. And like any addict, you know, it took an intervention, in this case, initiated by their parents. So Shepherd's Hill is kind of a proving ground, really, for everything that we're going to be talking about today. Well, you've really got a unique perspective uh, by getting to see all of this work itself out in real time every day, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what we're trying to do with this radio broadcast uh, is help parents intervene now with wise digital protocol while their kids are still at home. I mean, nobody wants parents to have to mortgage their homes or, or their kids' childhood, for that matter, to some kind of residential intervention later down the road. I'm convinced that, you know, generally speaking, the preeminent problem with today's kids is that adults have been complicit in making their kids' lives unnecessarily complicated. You know, today's kids are, are given way too many choices in life. Yeah. Uh, and you hear just the opposite in, in parenting circles, and many for which uh, they have no equipping nor the mature capacity to exercise adequate restraint or, or wisdom. And these are largely non-substantive issues that are mere distractions from the things that really matter in life. And they're not all bad things. Uh, there are just way too many of them. And uh, nobody will make these kids whittle things down to a manageable few. Of course, a, a lot of these choices and decisions stem from the, uh, the Internet and, and other digital options and, and avenues. Millions of kids are dealing with a thing called FOMO, F-O-M-O, or fear of missing out. Yeah. 
yet so so much of it's worth missing out. Uh, but but kids think because you know they're allowed that they can have it all, so they go for it. In fact, they're 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 given most of it uh, often as a pacifier from their own their own parents. But having too many choices is a breeding ground for indecision, Rich, and, and unfulfilled expectations. It's the whole kid in the candy shop thing. Indecision and unfulfilled expectations can lead to anxiety. Anxiety can lead to depression. Depression can lead to a distorted view of reality, which includes a distorted view of self, which often leads to self-indulgence, which leads to self-loathing, addictions, anger, rage, self-harm, and worse. Rich, suicide is the second leading cause of death among our teens because they say they have no hope. That's the number one reason they give. In the yeah. richest nation on the planet, no less. You know, in the midst of it all, kids are, are then told how wonderful they are, uh, all in an attempt to build up their self-esteem, you know, that failed experiment. Uh, so instead of helping, you know, uh, all this does is compound the problem because when you're told how wonderful you are for feeling lousy about yourself and your self-indulgent life, where do you go from there? Especially after, you know, every selfish pursuit has only left you empty. See, no one's shooting straight with these kids today. I mean, who's actually talking to them about dying to self, except for maybe mature Christians, and those are endangered species these days. I mean, no, we're, we're too concerned about damaging their falsely fluffed self-esteem. We want to keep them smiling and satisfy their lust for immediate gratification. Why? Because we need the same thing. We want the same thing. So, so kids are made to feel good about acting bad. Mm. Yet deep down, kids know they're being pandered to and conned, and they resent it. And I know this because I see it all the time, and the kids will tell you this straight out of their own mouths. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. Do you really want a juvenile delinquent feeling good about being a juvenile delinquent? You see, Junior can only improve his genuine feelings about himself to the degree that his personal character genuinely improves. Mm. And now he's got something genuinely good to feel genuinely good about. Well, Trace, we have asked Dr. Nicholas Carderas to join us once again in this conversation. Dr. Carderas is a psychologist, a best-selling author, internationally renowned speaker, a professor, and an expert on mental health addiction and the impacts of our digital age. He's also developed clinical treatment programs all over the country. He's the founder and chief clinical officer at Maui Recovery in Hawaii, also at Omega Recovery in Austin, Texas, and the Launch House in New York. His books include Glow Kids, available from St. Martin's Press, and How Plato and Pythagoras Can Save Your Life from Canary. Uh, he is a frequent contributor to Psychology Today and Fox News. He's appeared on the CBS Evening News, NPR, Good Day New York, and, as I mentioned, is a repeat guest here on Licensed to Parent. By the way, in his uh, clinical work with, uh, with teens, Dr. Carderas has worked with over 1,000 teens in the last 15 years. And he discovered, as you were just saying, that many were suffering from genuine psychiatric disorders such as anxiety, depression, even psychosis-like symptoms as a result of screen dependence. Ever heard that before? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Dr. Carderas began to understand that this new digital drug, as he calls it, is just another variation of addiction and escape for young people. Uh, by the way, I should mention he advises parents to delay immersive and interactive screen exposure until the child is at least 10 years old. And he makes a great point about this. It's much more effective to limit that screen time than to try to treat screen addiction Amen. once it has developed. Amen. Dr. Gutierrez, welcome back to Licensed to Parent. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, it's it's been maybe a year or two since we last talked. Uh, 
What are some major developments or discoveries pertaining to the digital world, good or bad, that, that parents need to be aware of since your uh, book first came out? Well, what we've seen over the last couple of years is I think we've seen uh, mainstream mental health has caught up with the message that a couple of us that were the Paul Revere's of this uh, concern uh, three years ago when I wrote Digital Heroin as an article for the New York Post that went viral with, uh, I think it was six or seven million views and shares. It was it was sort of a shocking statement that, that this can be viewed as a digital drug, and mm-hmm. now it's fairly well accepted. In fact, the World Health Organization has now have as an official diagnosis a uh, gaming disorder uh, as a as a classifiable diagnostic code. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's really sort of stating the obvious. Those of us that were on the front lines were seeing the obvious clinical symptoms. So the world has caught up, but now we're finding out even more. We're finding out just recently there was research that seems to be indicating the impacts on Asperger's uh, and autism with screen mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be some pretty clear research that's showing that uh, people that have are on the spectrum, can it be, in fact, the one researcher, and there were a European researcher, they were beginning to call it digital autism, and, and that is autism itself uh, a developmental impact, because we know that autism is a social deficit where people can't read social cues right. and that they have these developmental problems. And is that screen-based? Is that because you've got a six-month-old that's been given a, uh, an iPad or a phone that then begins to just stump their interpersonal and social development. Right. So right. just more and more research coming out about the neurological impacts, the clinical impacts, and, and you know, that's more and more clear, but what do we do about it is still the $64,000 question. Yeah. Is there any indication, do you think the science will be out, or is it already out, that, that maybe some of this Asperger's and autism stuff, uh, uh, maybe from a Gen Xer or a millennial, could give birth to a kid where, where maybe there's something uh, Asperger's on the spectrum-wise that's could it possibly be in their DNA for, in their offspring? Is that or is that just too Orwellian? You know, I, I think if it went on generation after generation, if you had an intentionally impaired person. You know, I think ADHD sounds like that could be something that could be generational. We know that things like addiction and impulse control disorders are uh, have a genetic component to them. And if you're the child of an addict, you're seven times more likely to have addiction yourself. Mm-hmm. So potentially, but to me, it seems pretty, uh, makes a lot of sense that if you take a newborn or uh, an infant that's a couple of months old and you drop uh something that's so hyper-immersive, you're going to stunt their interpersonal development. You're going to create the the, the soup for uh, having something potentially like Asperger's. And and that's really what we're seeing. And I love what you were talking about before, about the FOMO and the fear of missing out. And we're creating really a much more self-absorbed rather than a self-reflective culture because a lot of the work that I try to do now is really based around character development, self-reflection rather than self-absorption because we're essentially predisposing a whole generation for impulsivity, uh, instant gratification, Mm -hmm. uh, shallow swimming at the shallow end of the pool in terms Mm -hmm. of their mental reflection. You know, we have kids now um, a lot of the most recent research, there's two pretty large longitudinal studies that show that one of the unintended educational consequences of screen time is it's uh, really dampened students' love of reading. Yeah. So if you're a screen kid, your love of reading significantly goes down. And the research shows that one of the biggest predictors of long-term uh, success in life is love of reading. Mm-hmm. And so 
if we've uh, brought this Trojan horse into the classroom under the false premise of educational, and we're seeing that, in fact, what it's doing is it's destroying the love of reading because kids on screens by the research are, do not enjoy reading as much. And if reading is the single best predictor of success, we're, we're doing the opposite. Exactly. We're undermining kids' success. We're taking away their love of reading. We're taking away their ability to critically think because kids aren't, you know, deep reading and analytical thinking, those are, those are neurosynaptic processes that take nurturing. Mm-hmm. And right now, kids are swimming at the shallow end of the pool. You know, the Candy Crush and Minecraft and all these other superficially stimulating uh, experiences. They're, they're not, that's not reading Plato. That's not reading uh, War and Peace. That's not reading anything that really nurtures the intellect or the soul. And another byproduct of all this is that the kids don't really experience gratitude. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, gratitude, uh, we know from science, uh, just uh, generally being grateful for something uh, shoots enough uh, uh, serotonin in your system as if you took a, a Wellbutrin or a Prozac. And so you can really regulate your own uh, yeah. mental health to some degree by just being grateful. But, you know, you, you mentioned kids are relieved. Man, I'm, I'm, when you said that, I was, I, my chills went up my spine because that's the thing that kids t- tell us all the time. And parents don't believe it. And the other thing is this whole industri- uh, uh, educational industrial complex. I think you used that term. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of parents are in this conundrum where, well, oh, Junior's going to do homework because he's got this, that, and the other. Can you talk about that at all? Can you can you share with with parents what's going on there, and maybe something that they could do to to kind of uh, uh, put the brakes on that? Yeah, the the educational industrial complex or ed tech education technology is a sixty billion dollar a year industry, and there's a really really uh, strong financial agenda there to essentially Absolutely. digitize the classroom. And and beyond digitizing the classroom, the phrase that's being used now is to gamify the classroom. Uh-huh. Because basically the narrative that a lot of educators have adopted or a lot of education technology folks have adopted is, well, we have this ADHD epidemic. Uh, Johnny and Susie just don't have the attention span anymore for traditional learning. So now we've got to add the bells and whistles, right. which are because, you know, it's such a vicious cycle. The bells and whistles are what are creating the attentional deficit. Exactly. And now because there's an attentional deficit, we've got to add more bells and whistles to engage Johnny and Susie. Yeah. And so now there's all sorts of educational content, math, science, history, uh, that are in game format. Right. And what the research shows is that if a child is playing an ostensible education game, they are not focusing on the content. They're focusing on point acquisition. Yeah. That's been clearly shown. Um, so I could be playing an educational game and, you know, I, I, you know, as the educator, I'm rationalizing that, well, you know, it's a game that's helping, uh, make this content, uh, fun, mm-hmm. but the child isn't focusing on the content and that's, that gets missed by a lot of educators. And, right. and the bigger issue is that none of this, there's been no research, not one single study that shows that technology in the classroom increases educational outcomes. And yet without one stitch of evidence, uh, most schools have gone all in on tech yeah, under yeah. the false narrative that's been sold to us by the tech companies. It's the way that big pharma has co-opted a lot of primary exactly. care positions. Yeah, and they got lobbyists uh, to keep the, the ball rolling, right. too. But future employers aren't going to 
pr- provide an atmosphere of fun and games uh, necessarily, <laughs> and and that's going to be the downfall. But you know, there are they're saying that you know, nursery rhymes. You know, kids learn to nursery rhymes and learn how to r- read and things like that. And now these kids are learning to rap lyrics, or not lyrics, rap beats, and and of course that trend that. That's a whole other program, actually. But, uh, uh, you know, there's a reason that, li- you know, because c- one of the things that kids say t- to me is, oh, I can't do my homework without headphones. Listen to this. I'm thinking, all right, you're addicted right there. I- there's a reason libraries were, 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 were quiet, right? Because <laughs> the brain learns <laughs> better in that kind of environment. So we, w- what we don't want to believe as a people in America is that the entire nation is anodonic and and uh, uh, going at life with one hand behind their back simply by the, the degree of stimuli. So it's systemic to who we are as Americans. We've got to take a quick break here. Dr. Carderis, when we come back, though, we talked at the beginning of the program about the addictive nature of these devices, and we've, we've been talking so far about the danger of them. But I'd like us to turn the corner when we come back and look at the actual addiction side of this. Uh, I loved your comment that it's a lot better to curb their use now than to try to get them through an addiction program later. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Our guest today, Dr. Nicholas Carderis, and we're talking about a concept that he discusses in full in his book, Glow Kids. We'll tell you how to get that, and uh, we'll find out more when we return. This is Licensed to Parent. Remember back in the late 80s and early 90s as the internet hit the scene? You know, the information superhighway? We had great hopes that this new knowledge economy would make our teens more aware, diversify their tastes, and improve their verbal skills. But the enlightenment didn't happen. Technology has had the opposite effect. What once promised great hope for the future is now used to indulge in diversions. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, subtitled How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30, presents a portrait of the young American mind at this critical juncture, revealing the true cost of the digital age and our last chance to fix it. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherd's Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org.
This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. A reminder that if you've missed any of our past programs, you can hear all of our past conversations on our website at LicensedToParent.org. And we're talking today with Dr. Nicholas Carderas about his book, Glow Kids. And um, at the top of the program, I introduced this idea of a digital addiction, being addicted to digital devices and their uses. Uh, Dr. Carderas, would you be so kind <laughs> as to help us identify what we really mean by addiction? I mean, many people actually brag about being addicted to certain things like foods or sports or games or hobbies or other seemingly innocuous activities. But what are we really talking about when we talk about addiction, especially in this case? And would you say that uh, addiction is ever good? Huh. Um So typically when we talk about addiction, there's two broad categories. There's substance addictions like drugs and alcohol, and then there's behavioral addictions like gambling and sex and uh, and the Internet, uh, where you're not ingesting the substance, but the behavior is is habit-forming. And and typically the main diagnostic criteria for something being, because I I often do a a clinical group where I talk about what's the difference between uh, hobby, habit, and addiction. No, uh, I'm a stamp collector. When does my stamp collecting turn into an addiction? Mm-hmm. And so the, the main diagnostic feature of addiction is that you compulsively engage in the behavior or in ingesting the substances in the way that's maladaptive for your life. You're beginning to really destruct or, or do damage to your life. So that means your social functioning begins to deteriorate, your schooling begins to deteriorate, uh, you have adverse impacts in perhaps your health, um, your life starts getting smaller and smaller, and, and you're really uh, hurting yourself, and, mm-hmm. and yet you still compulsively engage in that behavior or that substance taking. So, so that's what we talk about. And what it is on the neurological level, it's a dopaminergic response. Uh, it's people who, when they experience uh, this, uh, the experience of dopamine, and typically when somebody engages in something that's dopamine activating, whether it's taking a substance or uh, experiencing something that feels good, their brain chases that dopamine response compulsively. And there are some people that are more predisposed to that compulsive chase than others. There's been a lot of research that shows that there's some genetic uh, aspects here. There's some developmental or, or trauma-based aspects. People who have experienced trauma in childhood are wired more for compulsive and uh, let's call it uh, escapist behavior. So, yeah, there are people that are wired more for addiction, and then there are experiences that lend themselves more to habit forming. And so that's the whole game here, no pun intended. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the industry, the technology, gaming industry, uh, social media industry, they have made the playing field unlevel. They have consciously created habit forming experiences by design. No doubt. They've created dopamine activating experiences by design. To, uh, they've, they've embedded into their platforms. Um, really uh, subtle and not so subtle behavioral modification techniques mm-hmm. to get people hooked and to get them hooked young so you can be a lifetime consumer of their products, essentially. Uh, what are some things uh, that parents can do to, to wisely intervene at home with, with juniors? Kind of maybe, maybe it's not a full-blown addiction. Maybe it is. Maybe they're just abusing it. Uh, any ideas that parents can implement that might make it yeah. a little easier for them to step in? Yeah, to not give in early, to not raise the white flag with the you know, shrug of the shoulders and say, well, it's just the way kids are today. Let's give my five-year-old the, the, the tablet. That's just the way things are. Yeah. To really fight the tide because we know 
the most tech cautious parents are in the tech industry. They know how powerful and destructive these devices can be on children. So prevention is worth a pound of cure because, you know, I was just dealing with a, a pretty affluent and educated family last week whose son has crossed over a pretty, a pretty serious uh, tech addiction. And it's so, un, it's so difficult to unring that bell. Um, so prevention is really the key. And part of prevention isn't just uh, taking away screens. Part of prevention is character development. Right. Character development is so, so missing, especially in public school systems. There's no teaching of civics, uh, morality, virtue, any of the, uh, let's call them either Christian or ancient philosophical. Uh, you know, I'll go as far as ancient Greek as I, you know, I've written a book about uh, Greek philosophy which really inform people's values, you know, uh, a deeper sense of meaning. If you can instill those kinds of character-building traits in elementary school kids, mm-hmm. um, then that goes a long way to immunize against screen time, in addition to, of course, other healthy recreational activities like sports and music and, uh, and family time. Uh, so right now, all these kids are being alone together. They're being atomized. Kids aren't playing baseball anymore because they'd rather be indoors. It's too boring. Playing, too. Uh, you know, playing World of Warcraft. Right. And, and that's what's chipping away. That's what's chipping away at the whole society mm-hmm. so right you, now. You're basically saying you don't just take something away. Find something to replace it with. I mean, yeah. you know, it, better, exactly. Better. I was about to say, I've, I had a psychologist friend of mine years back who was doing family counseling, and he made that very point, Trace. And that is, uh, when you tell a child, don't do this... What options are you giving him or her? <laughs> right, Instead, exactly. say, you know, okay, Junior, let's, let's come over here and do this. So yeah. uh, speak to that a little bit about, about finding better alternatives for our kids. Wait, well, even, even when, when parents want to do, let's call it a digital detox, and they want to take away screen time for a few weeks. So rather than telling your child, I'm going to take away your, your computer for four weeks, hey, I've, I signed you up for a great camp. There's a great camp that's doing A, B, and C. So it could be a nature camp, it could be a spiritual camp, it could be, and that's a backdoor way to, to upsell the fun aspect of something, and the child doesn't even really necessarily even realize it's, you're going to be unplugged for four weeks because the focus is on something much more constructive. Right. So, so it's really creating a sense of, uh, of, 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 of engagement in something immersive and healthy. Yep. And if you could do that from early on, then it becomes much easier to maintain that than to try to add that once the child's already crossed over at that tipping point of, you know, I'm now I'm, I'm in my basement, you know, eight hours a day gaming and good luck trying to get that kid to go to camp now yeah. or to even sign up for a baseball team. The analogy I use is, you know, you go out there and try to start your car, it's dead. What do you got to do? You jumpstart it and you got to do the same thing with kids with other activities. Uh, and that, and yes, parents, that's exactly what it means. It means make them do something and, and they'll, they'll acquire an appetite uh, down the line for something that they actually like, but you can't just sit back and expect them to, to move in. You, you might have to actually, you know, make an intentional step to say, this is what you're going to, this is what we're doing today. Well, thanks to our guest on Licensed to Parent, Dr. Nicholas Carderos, the Chief Clinical Officer of Maui Recovery in Hawaii, Omega Recovery in Austin, Texas, and the Launch House in New York. Uh, we mentioned uh, the two books, How Plato and Pythagoras Can Save Your Life and Glow Kids. There are more. You can learn more about his work at Dr. Carderas. That's D-R-K-A-R-D-A-R-A-S, drcarderas.com. And again, find his books wherever you buy books. Dr. Carderas, thanks so much. We appreciate your time today. Yes, sir. Thank you much. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
And of course, you'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. Please remember that the work we do here on Licensed to Parent is an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. That's our year-long Christ-centered residential program for troubled teens. Now, it's our goal to export some of what we've learned so that you can be more intentional as a parent and, with God's help, avoid the need for a residential program for one of your kids. You can help our work continue, though, through your tax-deductible gifts to Licensed to Parent. Residential programs are very expensive, and your gift could make it possible for families who can't afford residential care to get the help they need. You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org. That's LicensedToParent.org, and then click the Donate button. And thank you in advance. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us, and then join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.